personally seen that that zeroes down on one specific attitude of of an individual right um, and that specific attitude is inquisitiveness and the curiosity to know more i think that's one fundamental skill or a trait in an individual which actually um differentiates or or zeros that person down from the crowd because not 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 a lot of people want to go beyond in their learning and somebody who has that curiosity or that inquisitiveness comes as a stand out even if that person is not a 10 on 10 on the on the domain or a functional skill what a maybe a hiring manager or a business is looking for Hello everyone welcome to Ad Intellect today we have with us Anshul Raj Khurana who's a talent acquisition leader currently working with Cloudera Anshul has nearly 15 years of experience in the talent acquisition space with organizations like Adobe Airbnb Expedia just to name a few Whenever Anshul is not scouting exceptional talent he's probably with his camera doing exceptional documentary photography Very recently he started his lifetime project of becoming a podcast host with his very own podcast The Conversationalist. In this episode I talked to him about his journey as a recruiter, what separates a great candidate from a good one, and we also talk about how is AI changing the world of recruiting and so much more. So without further ado, let's jump straight into the show. Hey Anshul, thank you for doing this. It's really a privilege to have you on the show, and I have been really excited excited about this one. Um, and when I was preparing for this earlier, I I was like, you know, there's a lot of to ask you. We'll definitely run out of time first before we run out of ideas. So really, thank you for uh, being here. Well, thank you so much for having me, Kishor. It's really a pleasure. Great. Um, So I I think the best uh, place to start is I think with your journey uh um basically because I think that's the most interest, interesting part which which I really wanted to ask you so you graduated as uh, an electronics and instrumentation engineer um however rather than choosing that usual path uh like taking an engineering job you went for let's say the road less taken by venturing out into you know recruiting talent talent ex- uh, acquisition uh, space um and you also mentioned on your linkedin i guess that probably uh, during your fourth year of engineering you realized that this might be your calling um i i wanted to specifically ask you like how did you come to the, this realization when you were in your engineering yeah this is this question is actually a question of of the whole career journey for me kinchuk so first of all thank you so much for asking this uh, i think it all started when of course i was i was in engineering i was i was a very very uh, um i was quite engaged with the technological way of looking at at the subjects at that time and quite inquisitive about getting into robotics or aeronautics because that's where the next level for instrumentation engineer is having said this when i when i got more deeper into the co curricular activities of a very typical college activities you know i think that's where i started to learn more about myself and i think that's where that that aha moment came in that that told me or that gave me a direction that okay i can I can move in a different direction that than where i am right now so so started doing more more of those co curricular activities did did those you know college fest um those you know rock shows and all of those things and i think that's where that's where my my gut feel told me that okay i should i should get into event management but for somebody who is coming from a very very middle class setup where the the parents have invested their fundings in in the education of their their elder son uh you know moving towards the glamour of uh even management was not maybe looked more ideal while i i could have been a rebel at that time but but for some reason i thought that okay let me let me 
try and get on um, on a on a middle path. So so that's where you know in the fourth year when I started getting more involved in the placement activities, I think that's where I felt that okay, let me see if I can be a right person for doing a campus kind of a job or not. And that's why one company came in at that time who was coming time and again for different companies. So mm -hmm. the funda was that that organization was the campus partner for all the clients of there. And those clients used to come to the campus or our college to hire people. So I, I thought, okay, before taking a big leap and, and maybe looking to join a corporate, let me just get my hands dirty on the ground with this company. So what I did was I started getting more involved with that organization, having a conversation with them to understand what they really do, what exactly is their business model, et cetera, et cetera. And of course I was in touch with them after I, I completed my graduation as well. So, so to get a, maybe a prospect of joining them as well. So I think the luck would have it. Um, I think after five, six months, they got an opportunity. They, they evaluated my candidature and everything came together and I joined them. So I think uh, that, that was a time when, when that whole hunch became a career and that career started into a journey. Perfect. Perfect. I think, I think one thing that comes to my mind uh, after listening to your story is the, the quote from Steve Jobs that uh, you can only connect the dots uh, going backwards. Um, so I think like all your journey that has been through, throughout your career, you, I think that internship probably fueled that initially. And then it was uh, really, uh, you know, an amazing journey afterwards, right? Within this oh, recruit, recruiting space. Big plus one to the, the Steve Jobs point over here, uh, like you rightly said, and, and the man has said this long back that, you know, it, it may not look like a plan, but when you look back, it, it would actually, um, very smoothly, you can join the dots. Great, great. Um, awesome. So that brings me to the second uh, question, uh, which, which I was, again, very curious to ask you. Um, so you've worked with a great portfolio of companies in uh, you know, the talent acquisition space, like mm -hmm. starting with Barclays, United Health Group, Adobe, Airbnb, Expedia, and now currently with, with Cloudera. Um, being in this industry for nearly 13 years, what have been your key learnings and experiences? Um, and I also wanted to add a follow-up question to it because it, I think it, was re it, it is related. Um, with these 13 years, you must have interacted with like probably hundreds of candidates, right? Uh, what do you think separates a good candidate from a great one? Yeah, I think uh, that's, a, that's a pretty interesting question, uh, Kinshuk. Um, I think we, we have, we have a lot of potential candidates out there in the market, right? Who, who, who knows everything under the sun. Um, but we still sometimes see they don't get shortlisted, but somebody who may not know much, that person gets shortlisted. Um, and I personally seen that, that zeroes down on one specific attitude of, of an individual. Right. Um, and that specific attitude is inquisitiveness and the curiosity to know more. I think that's one fundamental skill or a trait in an individual, which actually um, differentiates or, or zeros that person down from the crowd. Because not, not, not a lot of people want to go beyond in their learning. And somebody who has that curiosity or that inquisitiveness comes as a standout, even if that person is not a 10 on 10 on the, on the domain or a functional skill, what a maybe a hiring manager or a business is looking for, right. because that is, that is teachable, right? Um, you can teach somebody coding, you can teach somebody uh, that domain, 
um, but but you can't teach somebody that inquisitiveness or that curiosity. It's either there in you or it's not in there in, in you. So I think that's one one key fundamental aspect which differentiates somebody from the crowd. Got it. Got it. So um, basically, you know, going that extra mile uh, is is probably what you're what you're talking about, right? Um, yeah. And I think that's what separates, uh, you know, like good good candidates, but uh, you know, somebody who has done that extra work to to really achieve what what they have achieved, right? Uh, I think that's that's one thing. So yeah, one thing which which comes to my mind is how. Let's say when you're talking to candidates, how do you assess mm-hmm. that? Is it is it something which which comes naturally into the conversation, or do you have a framework or a let's say a mental model to do the same? Mm, no, not not really a framework or a mental model. I think I I I always have a conversations with the candidates, um, and and the conversations with the candidate is not to to judge their skill. but to understand them you know because i think that's where uh, that's that's where the key lies because if you start judging an individual on whatever he or she is telling you you get very very unidimensional and when you start to understand them then you start getting deeper then you start getting more inquisitive then you start getting more right. curious of why the person took that decision of leaving that organization or joining that organization or picking up that skill or not picking up the other skill for an example right so i think that's the key and i think that's where of that's where i tend to kind of implement my inquisitiveness because otherwise uh it's it's just a run of the mill conversation right yeah and yeah. and when you try and understand from an individual that why he picked that up and why he didn't pick the other thing you try and understand the relativeness of that person's fitment to that role rather than categorizing a person as a higher or a no higher i think um i i tend to that do that because if a person is more related to the job then i'll actually take the person ahead and get him introduced to the hiring team but if i see a person has all the skills but he is still not related or relevant to the culture of the organization or or to that fitment of the role um i don't take that person ahead because there has been a lot of conversations in the past with my hiring managers where the person felt really good on the resume and i don't like take that person ahead and the person doesn't look fit on the resumes and i have take that person ahead and that person has ended up getting an offer got it you got know it. yeah yeah understood understood great um so uh yeah moving ahead to to the next uh question um and definitely this one is probably one of the favorites of of this mm-hmm. episode i really wanted to ask you this um uh so you you started i think your career around 2007 2008 Ish, yeah. if i'm not wrong yeah. yeah um so i don't think that there was a lot of ai uh, artificial intelligence penetration in the in the recruiting world right or at, at least in in the india context um mm-hmm. now fast forwarding to 10 to 12 years uh we all know that is probably no industry or domain that is currently which hasn't been touched by ai right and Mm-hmm. AI definitely has some unique use cases within the recruiting industry as well, like from screening resumes, shortlisting candidates, prelim checks, and you know whatnot. Um, now, having lived through this conversation with ten to twelve years back, something like AI was a distant thought, but now, where automation is governing, I think almost everything, but specifically in the recruiting space, things like. you know which candidate profiles will appear to the recruiter which one will be rejected uh you know resume resume filtering resume yeah. uh uh scanning and 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 what not how does it feel 
uh, and what is your experience through this has been like uh, and also if you can probably share your thoughts on what will the next 10 to 12 years bring to this this space when everything you know grows and then there's general ai and stuff like that yeah i think this is this is a question of a century maybe honestly yeah um, because if you see um I, i'll actually take a step back from here mm -hmm. and and talk about what is governing us nowadays um all of us right um yeah. i think there is one thing and i i remember the ceo of adobe has has made this quotation if i am not wrong that's that it, it's all about experience now we are living in experience uh, era we are not living in an era of it we are not living in an era of e-commerce we are not living in an era of 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 anything beyond the only one word which can define it all which is experience got yeah got it uh, an organization like airbnb has has dependent there you know has has made the whole business model around only experience if you ask me right Good. and and if i if i zero it down on recruiting now we are talking about experience we are talking about candidate experience yes. you know what is a candidate taking back uh when he when he gets an offer or when he doesn't get an offer from an organization right and yeah. and i personally feel um AI has a long, long journey to cover to give that experience to the candidate. Uh, we can't be seeing candidates interfacing with robots or bots, for that matter, to get mm -hmm. that experience. Number one. Having said this, I, I think understand. AI has yeah yeah. Having said this, I think AI has also made some decent inroads in in recruiting as a. as a function of course like like you were talking about you know resume screening you're talking about automated scheduling for that matter right so anything which has a repetition of a a job to be done right okay. let's say i give 10 keywords uh right. and five target organization to that ai program and tell them to screen 200000 resumes which are lying on my ats okay so what they would do they would just open up the program or the algorithm will open up all the resumes on their own see those 10 keywords see those five organizations and then they will give let's say 500 cvs to me out of that 200000 which may have taken let's say nearly a month for 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 a team to be to be to, to get executed on the ground so i think that's where ai is 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 making a difference the other side where ai is making a difference is you know doing something very similar uh, and giving us shortlisted resumes through linkedin or through other uh, you know uh, techno social channels like stack overflow or github where we would want to find the right candidate okay sure. yeah and number 3 where ai is also making a difference is having a conversation with the candidate on a right time matching yeah. it with the available time with the technical panel or the interview panel matching them up and sending me the candidate uh, the calendar invites i think at least on these three buckets the ai has has gone at early intermediate level if if you ask me uh, yeah. forget about an expert level as well or maybe a, a sound intermediate level but if i see can ai uh, replace the experience which we would want to give to the candidate i don't think so Okay, I don't okay. think so. We are near to that as of now. Of course, at least on these three parameters and a couple of more parameters where AI would get introduced or AI has got introduced and it may get more mature, um, that it may save a time of a recruiter or a scout or a sourcer or a recruiting coordinator to give much more enhanced experience by 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 making sure that AI can solve those tactical problems on the ground. for it for it so uh basically do you think that in the future uh there'll be a blend of like like specifically talking about you like recruiting space there'll be a blend of uh human face to face experiences but a lot of stuff would be would be done by ai uh is is that what we're hmm. trying to lean towards yeah yeah you're right so 
so i don't think so anybody can take a place of a human experience number one right? okay we we are talking about you know um self driven cars we're talking about self driven airplanes but we still have humans in those right i don't think so humans are going anywhere uh, out of that bucket of giving that experience to those candidates first of all you know we right. still want to have that human touch but of course ai has been currently and will be a key uh, partner in making sure that all the tactical things are taken care of and and all the time which which we as recruiters or we as as individuals should really be investing in is understanding the business understanding the the candidate and matching the right the right fitment with the both got it got it makes sense uh yeah when i when i personally think about it i think i also uh think in in a similar direction um yeah but but i think i think the evolution in the next uh 10 to 12 or let's say 15 years would be very interesting uh yeah in 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 this in this space and especially now with this remote work thing also coming in uh i think this has been an act uh probably an accelerator to yeah the whole technology penetration yeah yeah, yeah. No. you're right you're right you're right I, i think i think yeah it'll be very interesting space to watch um cool um moving on i i wanted to ask you something about your recent accomplishments i'd say so you recently completed the stanford lead program and when i was mm-hmm. re- researching about this what i gathered was that lead is uh, an online business program offered by stanford to uh, mid to senior level professionals who want to drive their organizations forward um can you briefly explain more about the program program and like how was your experience like and what were your key learnings mm, sure sure so i think uh, first of all the experience has been amazing personally um what happens is when 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 we are in a nutshell of our own functional job our perspective starts to have a tunnel vision and i think uh, taking this course really really has not just challenged my perspective and and thinking about the other side of the world the other side of the businesses but also shape my perspective on a very broader term because i personally feel there are three major dimensions which define the person's learning um experience exposure and education okay. uh now personally for me uh with last what 13 14 years of experience i got all the key experience and through that experience i've got a lot of exposure of solving business problems but i think there was one thing which was missing i haven't been able to get any management education after my my graduation so what was happening on the ground was i was unable to join those dots with the business what they were feeling as a frustration or what they were feeling as the issues which they wanted me to solve by getting a right candidate on the ground but so so i think what 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 happened with um stanford lead was i think i got those business perspectives okay. um i really was able to understand the nuances of business beyond recruiting okay. and yeah and and it it made me a better individual to know a business better so that i now can can or maybe i'm 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 a better equipped individual now to solve those problems better you know yeah yeah so, so i think these have been my key learnings with stanford lead to to reflect upon great great and i think uh i mean uh i am assuming but uh like for sure the networking part of things would have been great as well to i mean definitely in the last 10 12 13 years you have must have built a lot of network uh but but the networking opportunities that you know such a global platform gives is probably unparalleled to to anything else right oh absolutely absolutely i think uh, 
I, if I look back, you know, we, we have been able to kind of network with a lot of people coming from a very, very different perspective, very different um, setup, very different industries altogether. And I think learning from them through the course was, was, uh, was really, uh, really interesting and really humble uh, looking backward as well. Definitely. Um, yeah. The reason that I, that I say is because, um, you know, last, last year, yes, I uh, attended a, this online course from Harvard Business School. Um, so they, they have an online platform and they, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. offer a lot of courses there. So I did a business analytics course there, which was, I think, three months long. Um, and like, I, I went there for, you know, the Harvard Harvard learning and, and the case method and the way they teach. But what I also got from that course was this incredible network of, of folks um, because they uh, they were probably the first ones to enable, you know, like the cohort-based learning from out, out of yeah. an online course. Because generally what you do if you enroll for an online course is that, you know, there's there, there are pre-recorded lectures and you have to view those videos and, uh, you know, in the end, there might be an exam and then you're certified, right? But what they actually did was they built a uh, completely different uh, social platform where you could see the other folks who are taking the course with you, see their profiles, their, go to their LinkedIn, chat with them and, and stuff like that. They also created a Facebook group of that cohort. So you, can, you could discuss things with them in real time. So oh, uh, like when the course ended, I, I was really... I mean, the, the things that I took away from that course of this network of folks who, who wanted, who were like really wanted to go in the same direction, which I wanted to. And like till date, it has been one, one and a half years and till date I'm in touch with them. A couple of those folks have come to my podcast as well. So I think, I think that was, that was really incredible. And I think I'm assuming like similar experience with, with your program, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Kinshu. You're, you're bang on on this because uh, I think uh, these kind of courses tend to open up our, our thoughts beyond what we do on the day-to-day basis. And, and when you meet people from different sides of the world, your learning also enhances. And, and I think with respect to networking, I personally have a viewpoint on this. Um, we don't have to go back with hundreds of people added on our LinkedIn or added on our Facebook. Even yeah. if you have two key people, you yeah. know, with whom you have built that relationship for life, I think yes. that's a key win. And uh, and I think I got that from Stanford. I got a couple of people who have become my lifelong, you know, uh, buddies or friends. And I and uh, gladly, both of them are coming from a very different background or a very different domain altogether. And I think that's that's my learning and that's my earning from that course. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, I think I think that's that's really that's really good. I, interestingly, I was I was reading this thing about like some stuff about networking a couple of uh, weeks back, and uh, there was this quote that I read from uh, uh, one of the like I'd say personalities or not a celebrity but personalities that I follow on Twitter quite a lot uh, he goes by the name of Nawal Ravikant I'm not sure if mm-hmm. so he has this famous quote that networking is overrated um, <laughs> and yeah it goes something like this like networking is overrated be be a person of high integrity and high value and you'll have your network whenever you want them Bang so, on. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes you know we we really push networking a lot, but yeah, as you said, you yeah. know, you have you need to have those select individuals which you uh, really can depend on, and you also have to be that high integrity, high value individuals to have that network for you whenever you need it, right? So absolutely, absolutely, cool. Um, yeah, so let's let's switch gears a little bit and move towards your passions. Um, you are extremely passionate about photography, uh, especially street photography, which I realized when when I was doing research for this podcast. Um, you also have two 
photography blogs that you run. Um, one is, I think, by your name, anshulrajkhurana.com. And the other one is called bylanesofyourcity.com, uh, right? Um, can you share a story behind how you fell in love with photography and like why street photography in general? Um, and also, you know, if you can throw some light about your latest project conversation list and, and what's, what is it all about? Like, let's focus on the photo uh, photography piece first and then we go to conversation list later. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think um, photography started more than about 10, 12 years back where I, I had a, typically I got a DSLR camera and I was shooting, I think, everything and everything under the sun. Um, but, but I think uh, I started to see a pattern of myself being on the road, trying to capture people, being in, in, in front of them, speaking to them, understanding them again, not a typical recruiter personality uh and 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 know more about them and i think at the same time i saw somebody called as brandon staten um i don't know whether you have heard his name or not but i'm sure you would have heard his project he started a project in new york which was called as humans of new york and i think uh i got yeah. quite influenced by that and i felt what a power of photography can do get you to know more people and get to know more about people uh, yeah yeah so so that's what i did i think i i just picked up a camera and i started going to the streets and i loved the energy on the streets i love that uh that noise i love the smell i love the visual interface and i then started you know learning more about I, first of all, I did not even know there was something called a street photography at that time, by the way. So, so I started doing research about this and I got to know that, hey, there is something called a street photography. And it was, it was exactly which I was doing or which supposedly I was trying to do. And apparently I was liking it. So I think that's where, you know, I picked up that genre and I started getting more deeper into it. And, uh, and I think that's where I got more, more deeper into it. I, I visited some places, you know, came back with some, some beautiful shots, some beautiful memories. And, and I think that's where, um, you know, the, the personal project of doing my own, own website came into picture. And, and I remember I was in 2017, I went to Kolkata for one of the street photography workshops. That's where one of the photography instructor told us that, you know, we have so much to do for street photography as a community as well. Got it. So I think from there, I got an idea to build a, a community photo blog, which is violence of your city, mm -hmm. where I, I reach out to people across the world who do street photography, yeah. see their work. If their work is worth enough, you know, publish it on, on my website, on the photo blog and, and talk about their work. And similarly, there is an Instagram handle of violence of a city where again, we weekly feature people, weekly feature a city. Um, and then through the city, we feature the photographers who have shot the pictures of that particular city. And now soon, you know, um, with my new project of conversationalist, which is technically a, a podcast initiative, I am launching a podcast for violence of your city to connect both as well. Now coming to conversationalist, um, I think what, what recruiting has taught me is to do conversations. And what I feel through conversations, you can, you can gain a lot of perspective around you. And I think that's where this project started last year, where, where I had, um, uh, you know, conversations with six different kind of people. And, and now I want to take it forward um, and get deeper into these conversations. Awesome, awesome. That's a, that's a pretty profound story. Um, yeah, I, Humans of uh, New York definitely brings a lot of memories. It was, I think it was a sensation back then. Uh, yeah. Having those network effects of like, 
I mean, I'm sure you remember that era where there was a humans off page for every city, for every, every city. organization yeah. and, 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 and stuff like that, right? So Very yeah, bring, brings back a lot of memories. And yeah, I think, I think it was this um, unfiltered perspective uh, that, that, that it brought to, you know, a lot of people who were following that page, which they probably couldn't see or probably they could see, but not really uh, realize uh, mm-hmm. uh, while while going through the normal stuff that that comes of, uh, comes in social media, right? But uh, I used to follow that page quite a lot, and it was something different to look towards uh, when Very you're let's, let's say scrolling through that through our social media feed and going to the pictures and stuff like that. Great, that was uh, it's it's interesting to know that that was the your inspiration uh perfect perfect and definitely have uh i've gone through uh your blog and and some of the clicks that you've taken and i think they're really mesmerizing you i mean other other uh photographs that probably i go through every day on instagram and stuff like that you just you just kind of scroll right scroll through it every Mm -hmm. second when i was looking at your blog uh, what I realized was that I was like the the picture was open on my in front of my in front of me on my screen, and I was actually looking at that for a couple of minutes and trying to comprehend the the depth of the photography. So I think you have you have a great uh, blog there. Uh, so uh, basically, I think because of the blog and everything, I I believe you you will be you have been well traveled uh, if probably gone through places which are quite unique and quite bring an interesting perspective right uh, yeah yeah so a related questions probably will come at a later stage about traveling because uh, you have been in, in Expedia and that's where probably we connected right so yeah yeah I'll, I'll yeah, ask absolutely. you something interesting about it um, cool so um, yeah that brings me to end off you know those formal questions which i but i had some additional questions which i prepared mm-hmm. which are slightly off topic slightly more casual uh and lighthearted, right so uh one thing which i wanted to know like uh gathering from our conversation before we when we were planning for this podcast that like i think you are into yoga as well and mindfulness meditation, mm-hmm. right so can you share your best practices to unwind yourself after a long day of work because i know like uh seeing re- recruiters especially when when we all used to go to office i think it's a very stressful job so how do you balance that out yeah so i think uh, i think i've uh, last three four years I've, I've got deeper into the practice of yoga and and understanding yoga as a philosophy than understanding yoga as a practice of asanas. And I think that's where I have, I have got this perspective of, of doing meditation. Now, if I, if I take a step back and define meditation, uh, meditation is not about sitting cross legs with a, with a hand mudra, closing your eyes and looking at your third eye. I think meditation in a very simplistic word is anything which let you forget a dimension of time. Yeah. Right. yeah. And, and that would be anything. Um, I have felt meditative while I was on a very chaotic street of old Delhi in summer. Oh, because, yeah. yeah, because I have, I have lost a track of time and I was deep into that zone of, of making those pictures. Yeah. Now, now the question is not that about how many pictures I got after that two hour walk, but it's about that experience of, of having that elevated thought mm-hmm. of getting lost in something which you really like doing or which you really love doing. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe that evening where I am in my kitchen garden and, and really lose a track of time when I'm, I'm working with them. Uh, pruning them, giving manure to them, adding more stuff, etc. Or playing with my kid for that matter. So I think meditation has a very, very vast uh, experience and a vast meaning to it. Now, now coming back to yoga for that matter, 
-hmm. I think yoga is is as I was talking in the in the beginning of this question is beyond the mat and beyond the asana. And and I personally what I try to do is um, try and practice yoga twice a day, one of course in the morning. And one is, of course, in the evening. The, the morning one is to energize you for the day, and the evening was, evening one is to kind of you know settle you down with all the all the stuff which has happened during the day with with, with yourself. And I think meditation is a key part. To it. When I say meditation, it's about some breathing exercises, some physical exercises which actually get you more relaxed and and get you more aligned to your mindfulness. Yeah, yeah, understood. Um, that's that's a great perspective. Um, so, I th I have been doing some research uh, recently about meditation. I've been reading quite a lot about it, listening to podcasts mm -hmm. about it and stuff. Um, and yeah, that that's that's what I what I've uh, come to a realization of because, like. So I, I, I started meditating myself um, mm -hmm. uh, with the onset of the pandemic because you are all at home and, you know, yeah. part of it, we, we didn't have much to do. We could not go out and part of it because like definitely stress levels for everyone were, were a bit high. You're all working from home, yeah. trapped, trapped in, uh, within these four walls. So I took a dig, dig at meditation then and uh, before that, I, I really... Uh, used to think that meditation is all about, uh, you know, controlling a breath, uh, doing breath work and stuff like that. But when I started to actually read and listen about it, uh, I I realized that that was that is not what meditation really is. Uh, it's it's technically when you are in like hundred percent of the present in your present surroundings, and you lose track of your future and the past i think that that is the meditative state right you can do it at a corner of your house uh sitting on the on the floor you can do it on a busy street in uh in let's say chandni chowk or you know older part of delhi or you can do it anywhere else i mean right when you are like absorbed by something that you're doing uh I think that's what meditative state is. So I think you're absolutely correct here. Um, so that's that. Uh, and I think, so like your personal practice is doing, doing it two times a day. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I try and do it two times a day. It's, it's very ideal, honestly. But some, there are some days where I couldn't do it even once. But, yeah. uh, but I try and do it two times a day. Um, one in the morning where, where you try and kind of, you know, expand your body, get as much as oxygen in yourself, channelize and energize your energy channels, um, get ready for the day. And in the evening, more about, you know, then, then physical asanas to kind of sweat it out. Um, and then doing some breathing work, to kind of stabilize your, your mind, stabilize your thoughts and get ready to unwind. Great, great. That's 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 perfect. Yeah. I I have heard like a lot of high performance individuals, uh, from what I've understood and heard, do it twice a day. So, um, like one is to prepare you for the day, and then the other one is to unwind. Right. So Absolutely. I think that's yeah. that's a practice. To be honest, like with my current schedule and and work and everything, doing it twice a day is probably a bit challenging. So. I kind of stick to the practice of doing it once a day. And also sometimes I'll do it in the morning. Sometimes I'll do it in the evening. So it's, it's not really currently fixed. Absolutely. But there was a phase uh, probably in which I was really struggling to find time for this because part of it, because I, I really didn't initially didn't enjoy doing it. I thought mm. it was, it was, it is really boring and you know, you have to deal with all these thoughts in your head while doing exactly. it. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I was I was really struggling to to, to find time to do it, but uh, I was I was uh, uh, listening to this podcast uh, where of 
I'm I'm sh- I'm not sure if you've heard uh, the writer of this book, Sapiens. Uh, mm. You all know Harari. Mm. Harari, yeah. So I was he was on a podcast. I'm not able to remember exactly which one, but uh, he has a very strong meditative practice. So, mm. so the the host asked him like, how do you find time to you know do it every single day? Because definitely mm-hmm. you have you are a busy individual, right? So yeah. he he said this one thing that you know for his success he has realized that his meditative practice is you know very very essential. So whenever he's uh, planning for his day, he puts meditation at center of his plan and then plan everything around it. Around it. So mm-hmm. he doesn't give a give his schedule a chance to skip it, right? So that thing has to happen and then everything yeah. else takes a place later and i think i started doing that personally and there's a lot of difference than like there are less uh uh this number of cheat days now uh, i'd say than than before it's a very so, yeah that's a very very good perspective uh, kinchuk i think yeah. we we tend to kind of take these things for granted and give more importance and priority to the tactical stuff which is happening around us of course which is important but uh, yeah until you have your own oxygen you will not be able to kind of uh, deliver to those things which are around you as well and i think just to add to one thing which you mentioned about you know uh, feeling tired or feeling disconnected to these practices and i i have gone through very very similar things as well myself so what i did in 2019 i actually took a one week of a break went to rishikesh for a yoga retreat to understand the philosophy behind it because until i don't know the logic or a philosophy behind one thing which i'm trying to do i will not be able to do it wholeheartedly and i think that's where the change happened in me um and i started doing yoga more seriously after that uh when i started to know more about the philosophy because what we all tend to do is we we all used to feel um we all generally feel that okay yoga is about putting a mat doing some exercises um which is actually one part of it um uh, so i would i would personally suggest you as well maybe you know pick some time out go go to rishikesh uh find out a yoga retreat uh understand yoga and then come back and do it and you know what you will feel difference of a night and day. Uh, yeah, I have I've actually thought about it quite uh quite quite a bit because when I started actually enjoying, you know, meditation and yoga, I I wanted to take it to the next level. So and I think, you know, practicing it, it at home is a different experience practicing it probably at a retreat is a is another ball game altogether. So definitely I have uh thought about it and probably sometime in the future I'll definitely go to a retreat and practice it there sounds good great cool uh the next one was like with regards to traveling so definitely while while going through the blog i i realized that you must have traveled a lot uh especially for your photography projects so what ha- what is your favorite location as a traveler and do you have like any distinct memories associated with it probably for your photography projects or leisure travel or anything else yeah i think that there are quite a few favorite places honestly uh, kinchuk and there are quite a few favorite places where i have not been there yet and i don't know after pandemic uh, how would that confidence come back so so if i talk about my my last um travel that was to morocco in 2019 and i think that is one of one of the best um traveling experience i have ever got um it was a solo trip i found a photographer online um a, a brit uh, who is doing photo tours and i wanted to do very very specific thing of nomad expedition so i wanted to see nomads and i wanted to were life projects on the nomads and apparently he 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 was a person who was doing it already so it was like a gold mine for me so i got in touch with him 
we planned it out and i think in two months i was already on a flight to morocco and it was a six day expedition where of course you knew where to find the nomad but we were still on on the rugged terrain of of high atlas region of morocco where we were still uh, searching them you know searching the nomads and it was it was like 3 4 hours of drive we found one family we spent 3 4 hours and 3 4 hours coming back to the hotel every day a new place a new family a new hotel a new rugged terrain and and it it so expanded my uh, perspective to see a life in a very different format um, here we are in this bubble of earning our livelihood pretty well have more or less everything with us i don't think so we 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 have to kind of struggle for anything and sometimes we still not happy mm-hmm. and here are these nomads who are living in tents in middle of nowhere in, literally in the wilderness and they are so lively so so warm so happy uh very very humble very uh, hospitable and i used to i was feeling that what are we doing wrong and what are they doing right right you know yeah uh and yeah. that is the question i left morocco with and i i still don't know by the way i'm still searching for that answer maybe minimalism maybe i don't know what but but the kind of the happiness they had even meeting somebody from from outside of their culture somebody outside they don't even know but still still meeting so warmly yes i think yes. Uh, i think uh, that experience has has gone deep rooted in my in my in my psyche to understand it more and more deeply understood yeah that's that's a pretty interesting one um morocco is a beautiful place but i think i've seen it through the pictures only but i would definitely like to be there at least once uh, definitely on my bucket list and yeah i think i think uh, i i took my first international trip in 2018 uh, to south korea and mm-hmm. yeah and like whenever i travel i i'm i'm traveling either domestic or international i have the same uh, desire to understand uh what their culture is and how are, basically how are they living living lives on, in a day to day routine that's probably i want to gather from from the trips right so uh, i've i've been to the no- northern part of india a couple of times and uh basically i always look forward to interact with the local people out there and uh, talk to them about how their life is and, and and stuff like that that's the same thing that i did in in south korea and uh what i what i really uh acquired or learned about that was that humans on a very intrinsic very basic level are really similar i won't say mm. same but similar uh irrespective of the geography of the region they are in uh but if you uh you know if you try to uh look at it from a birds eye view everybody has a different char- characteristics mm. so mm. like folks in south korea were like they had certain traditions which are similar to to india but uh you know uh but on a broader level because of the cultural differences and the climate differences and their preferences like the social cultures right so there's a lot of difference as well so and that's what i i really want to like in in uh, in my future expeditions that's what i really want to understand uh and that's what i'd like to focus on while while i travel so i really echo with your uh, point uh there mm no i i agree to your point because i think i have i have actually written about it sometimes back as well that we we as humans have ability to seek right yeah. seek different experiences seek different thoughts seek different knowledge 
and i think that's what uh that's what actually differentiates us as a species from other other species on on the planet right and i think traveling is one of the very very fundamental um uh, viewpoints to seek new things uh seek new experiences because i think that's what makes us better as an individual the more diversity of perspectives we get the more wiser we become understood understood yeah uh very true cool so yeah this brings us to the last question of the podcast um one of my really favorite ones because i i almost ask everyone who's on the show this thing um what advice would you give to your 18 year old self if you got a chance to do so mm this is an interesting one kinchuk if i actually think it on my feet um i would actually want to go back and tell myself that don't follow the crowd um make your own path and listen to your heart or listen to your gut feel because we as humans again have a nature to follow the crowd and we all have followed the crowd once or or twice or maybe more times in our life and i have done it as well myself so so i would say this to myself that don't follow the crowd make your own path great i think i think that's that's interesting um this if i if i dig down a bit and i ask you um like let's let's say there's an 18 year old actually and let's say they, let's say they ask you a follow up follow up question that how do you do that then um because following the crowd i think it's it correlates with less risk taking right uh, mm. because when you're not following the crowd you're at a higher risk uh, category yes. so how do you do that when you're navigating through life and you're trying to understand things uh, and how do you time and again make i think yourself sure of the fact that things will turn out for the better good yeah i think there is always a fear in us kinch of that you know what if we are wrong yeah yeah now the question here is uh what if we are wrong in following the crowd as well mm-hmm. right so so that fear actually in our mind diminishes when we when we have a herd uh thought process when we are when we are following the crowd but but having said this we always have some some voice in our head which tells us to maybe do something otherwise mm-hmm. and i think that's an important point um let's say there is a voice in my head right now to maybe leave a corporate job and get into photography full time um maybe should i listen to the that voice or not why not but now should i should i just start doing it blindly maybe not but should i plan for it maybe yes yeah um at at the age of 21 or 22 i had that thought again in my head that should i get a herd you know thought process of maybe getting into an engineering role and figuring out my my role would it have less struggles if if i if i or less risk if i if i follow my heart absolutely not or if i follow my heart of doing something which i have to do beyond my education qualification would it have less risk or a or a more risk i don't know but i think at least i'll be happy in doing that so i think the first question is inward looking that what do you really want to get out of it um what do you really want out of out of that decision if if your decision is about yourself then it will not have a a crowd following attribute but if your decision is about others then it may be about following the crowd right so so as an individual you have to take that decision uh, about is it about yourself or is it about your about about others and sometimes you have to take decisions for others there's nothing wrong in it as well 
yes yes definitely definitely i think um i mean at times individuals are in a situation where they can't take you know high stake risk right so because a lot of that stake they have certain responsibilities but yeah i think i think to end this up i think it's best to listen to your heart at times but also you know keep your mind in check as well so absolutely yeah cool that it was a it was an interesting conversation anshul thanks again for taking the time out to do this i know you you know you have been really busy in the last two weeks but really appreciate you taking out the time to do this and it was very interesting talking to you and i look forward to you know uh, i'll be a regular viewer of your blogs and looking forward to your uh, a latest project with the conversation list oh thank you thank you so much kenchu uh, this is a great initiative which you are running as well so all the best for this and uh, let's keep keep in touch all right great have a nice evening right. bye you too bye bye hey listeners thank you for tuning into at intellect if you have any thoughts feedback or suggestion about this episode or the podcast in general feel free to drop a note on at intellect at the rate gmail.com that is a t intellect at the rate gmail.com until next time Peace.